You're listening to PlayStation Unchained. Listening to PlayStation Unchained. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to PlayStation Unchained. It's another week episode, and you'll notice right off the bat that it's not the lovely oral tones of Mike Herodin's filling filling the ears uh, of your headphones or speakers. It's Kyle Prawl, editor-in-chief, uh, stepping in for Mike when he... I mean, he was gracious enough to take my shoes last week when I was just too poorly organized to step in and host this podcast and bring the U.S. crowd together again. Speaking of the U.S. crowd, with me is the illustrious Will Robinson... Hey there. The powerhouse, Tim Noons. Hey, bro. And the, the Yakuza <laughs> jogger, Dane Smith, our boy, <laughs> our boy out east. How's it going, Dane? Good. How are you guys doing? Good, Dane. Uh, what, what was the color of the sky in the land of the rising sun this morning? Uh, this morning, very gray. You lie. You weren't up early enough to see the sunrise. Oh, uh, well... In heart, in spirit, I was. <laughs> you caught me. <laughs> uh, how's it going, guys? Everyone having a good weekend? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, it's good. Tim's I'm tired. Fine. I'm, I'm the only one who likes their weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Tim's tired. Tim, you're exhausted, aren't you? You just finished the gauntlet that is reviewing Final Fantasy XIV. How has life been? Is your girlfriend pissed at you, by the way? No. She's kind of amazes to it. <laughs> she's used to MMO addiction. Uh, luckily for me, she's addicted to as addicted to her computer as I am to my video games. So nice. You just kind of like sit in the same room and digest technology together. Don't really have to have to talk too much, huh? <laughs> don't worry, I know the feeling. Oh, you make it but... sound terrible. <laughs> yes. Yeah, don't worry about it, man. I yeah, I know it all too well. Um, Dan, how's your love life going? Uh, I don't know. Non-existent at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get there, buddy. You'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're all having a good time, and we're rapidly approaching Tokyo Game Show, but we'll save that for our topic of the week. For now, we'll just jump straight into the news so we keep Mike Harridan's happy. And uh, the way I do the news is I'll just go around the table, ask for you guys' opinions. So first up, uh, PlayStation 4's Gaikai service confirmed for early 2014 in the U.S., and a European release is to be announced. The head of Sony Computer Entertainment Europe, Mr. Jim Ryan, uh, Guys, he's an interesting dude. You know, up in the Gamescom conference, he was, he was fun to listen to. Revealed that Gaikai will be rolled out in North America early next year. Um, presumably, this is just talking about the PS3 streaming service. Dan, what PS3 game are you most excited to play with Gaikai streaming? Uh, I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah. well, you'll have another... I, I, I haven't been following Gaikai at all, so what exactly is Gaikai going to do for me? Gaikai is going to stream PlayStation 3 content, select PS3 games through your PS4 to your television screen. 
Uh, yeah, so you'll be able to play classic PlayStation games, uh, starting with PS3 stuff, and then as the PlayStation 4 lifecycle continues, they're looking to extend the service to PS2 games, PS1 games, uh, all the classics, as they'll be called in a few years. So, uh, Oh, then none, because I, I keep all my systems and all my games, so I won't need it. Good answer. Yeah, I've been thinking about the <laughs> logistics of that. I don't know, have you guys like thought about your quote-unquote living room plans for when PS4 drops, how you're going to have to, like, move around your shit and figure out new places for everything? Yeah, it's going to be fine. Uh, the only thing I'm probably going to have to mix up is uh, where I have my God of War 3 uh, Pandora's box. How how big is that? I, I've always wanted you to ask me that, Mario. Uh, but <laughs> uh, it's it's something like a uh, foot across and then probably seven inches uh, in width and then in height it's probably a good nine, ten inches. Hmm. Well, you don't want to, like, just hide that just because PS4 is coming through the door. You want to still uh, put that in a place of display. Man, your girlfriend doesn't mind that kind of stuff either. No, but but uh, in all fairness, she has these things called living dead dolls in droves, so it it, uh, it counteracts pretty well. Do I... <laughs> I'll, just, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be the guy who asks, what, what is a living dead doll? It's essentially uh, a doll that represents some sort of, like... Uh, Scary Wives' Tale or one of those cultural, like, scary stories. Like, there's okay. there's this one where, for instance, where this girl is, like, a hitchhiker and she ends up getting kidnapped and she has her kitty in her pocket. I'm not really sure the story. Jesus! Yeah, like, it's it's pretty crazy, but... And kind of creepy, because they're in our bedroom. But... <laughs> Speak... <laughs> All right, speaking of creepy, uh, Tim, yeah. are you excited for PlayStation 4's rumored VR headset? You know, I've always wanted a new reality. Especially oh, okay, well, to be surrounded by yeah, these living creepy. dead dolls. So, uh, I mean, so this ties in pretty pretty neatly with like all the Oculus Rift news coming out and that kind of technology and compatibility with a lot of recent games. So, have any of you guys been following Oculus Rift and some of the new advancements there? Nope, not at all. Mm. I watched a really sweet uh, YouTube video where a guy's like playing Team Fortress 2 with the Oculus Rift on a omnidirectional treadmill, and and this thing it's like you know he's got he's surrounded by kind of this octagonal. Uh, bar, so he's kind of held in place. But he's like running in multiple directions, and it's everything. You know, he's holding kind of a fake gun and firing with it. That's t- totally wild. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so PlayStation 4 is rumored to have a VR headset in development, and it may be shown behind closed doors at TGS. So Dane already knows about it, and he's just not telling us. Hint, <laughs> hint, wink, wink. Yeah, we don't have to. Uh, yeah, we can. Yeah, we'll just slide that out of the table. We can. And we'll talk about that after the show. Uh, the Drive Club PlayStation Plus Edition lets you unlock Platinum Trophy. Evolution Studios has shed more light on the upcoming PS Plus Edition of Drive Club. Uh, this is the free edition for subscribers day one, and you will be able to earn a Platinum Trophy through it. Will, will you still buy the real version for the extra content? Uh, probably not. I'm not. Well, that raises a good point. I mean, are you at all interested in Drive Club anyway? It looks good. I mean, I'm just not much of a racing fan, yeah. I guess, to be fair. Like, I don't even know. The only games I really played were Need for Speed on, like, PlayStation 2. I haven't really played any. Game you, yeah, the only game you really need to play is Crash Team Racing on the PS1. <laughs> yeah. And you can play it on PS3. That's true. That's and <laughs> Vita. Or, no, you can't play on the Vita because they're stupid. You can oh, play it on PSP. Right. <laughs> None of the Crash Manicoo games are supported on Vita. Nope. 
God, that's an oversight. Man, screw this Gaikai business. Someone needs to figure out its PlayStation 1 classics on, on the store. What's going on well, there? They said their dream for Gaikai was to have every PlayStation game ever made available at some point. I think, yeah, I think seven years ago their dream for remote play was that it would work. So we'll <laughs> True. see how these things unfold. <laughs> Uh, speaking of unfolding, yeah, I'm really phoning in these uh, article transitions today. But Grand Theft Auto V features voiceovers from real-life gang members and confirmed Laszlo Jones. Will, do you have fond memories of our boy Laszlo? Well, first of all, there was no folding in that, so I'm not really sure how you got the segue there. <laughs> like I said, I'm phoning, phoning in the segues. <laughs> but, uh, Laszlo's back, man! Laszlo's back in GTA V. I don't even remember which one he was. So he was the host of Chatterbox FM. Oh, that last Gra- Grand Theft Auto I think he was like yeah, an yeah. actual physical character in the game. No, he last well, I mean, yeah, I guess he's his his real life persona representing the game. And then he, I, I want to say he was in every game since three because I know yeah. he was in four because he did like street interviews. Yep, he did in four. God, I wish I'd remembered some of his bits. Like I only listened to the talk radio in GTA Three. So so good. The judge would be my favorite if he comes back and. To the oh, oh, Judge Joe God. Brown? But, yeah, the, no one has, the, No, the, Judge Joe Brown's a real yeah, that's the, judge. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't remember his name, but yeah. yeah those you took a dump in the air filter? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and I loved that. That was great. Man, yeah, that game is awesome. classic. Yeah, I can't wait on it. And it actually, you know, it, it boosts my confidence that they're continuing these nods to previous games. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. as long as they continue to do that, that we know the series is still going to be grounded in its just kind of profane silliness. Uh, Tim and Dane, or Tim first, what do you think about GTA V? you excited? And only got a couple weeks left. I'm actually, I, yeah, it's, it's kind of ridiculous how I'm excited I am for it. But I'm actually a little remorseful in the fact that I didn't get... And and I'm not motivated to get the platinum for uh, four. Oh, the multiplayer, mm-hmm. right? That's the only thing you had left. Yeah, and uh, it it's work now. I have to track all the races, all the just the sh- shit. Yeah, and, <laughs> but I, I want it still. I just want it because it's a platinum that's like one point three four percent. Uh, well, let me tell early. you, I'm pushing for you. Like, I'm rooting for you over here, because I know that this would be a, just a stellar addition to your, your in-home trophy collection. Right, that would um, be, if I did it now, it would be number 74. Oh my Jesus. god. Uh, boy, I think I have, like, 26. 20. Do you know how many I have? I watch my friends list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. You have 21. Can we go back to the creepy segue and find a way to like <laughs> tie it all together? Uh, Dane, do you care at all about GTA V? I know you're not big on buying new games, but are you keeping tabs at least? Uh, no, because I actually don't like the GTA series at all. I haven't oh, okay. followed it since GTA Three, and that was the last one that I actually played a little. And like, in like Vice City, the music, San Andreas, I played for like a few hours and quit. And GTA Four. I bought because it was cheap, and I'm like, oh, it's $10. I can't beat $10. Played it for an hour, haven't played it since. I just and don't like, like the story. Yeah. So okay, I, I, was just... I, I prefer um, Saints Row like a thousand times more than GTA. Yeah, that's become a really interesting debate in recent years, especially as Saints Row has like totally went off the rails from where it started as a GTA clone, and now it's like, with Saints Row 4, I guess you would just call it a... 
an alien superhero simulator. I, I don't <laughs> even know. It's a lot of fun, though. And, and it's interesting to hear people that are, like, really hardcore fans of one and not the other. Um, have you been playing Saints Row 4, then? Uh, no, because it's still new. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wait until it's cheap. Like, I mean, I got... When I was in Korea, I bought so many games there that were used that I haven't started. I still play, like, Bioshock 1 and 2... Uh, and like a whole ton of other games to even start. So man, and some of those are classics too. So you've got like a backlog of the the generation's best to kind of touch on. Yeah, I got like a backlog of like twenty games I haven't even started yet. And so that's why I don't really need Aikai as well to go back to what you said earlier because I already no, own sure. every game. So <laughs> you I haven't played any service. of uh, I know that feeling. I know that feeling with PlayStation Plus. I think everyone in this roundtable can agree that like. PlayStation Plus gives us too many free games. Actually, it makes me not want to buy games because I'm like, well, is it going to be free next month? And then I buy it now, and then it's free. I'm like, well, crap. I just spent money. I didn't have to. Yeah, or in the case of Rayman Origins, they just give it to you for five bucks and then the next week give it to you for free. Yeah. Um, That was weird. Mm. That was pretty fucked up, actually. Mm. Um, I already owned it, though. I think I paid 40 for that. Back in the day on PSN, same platinum. If, oh, you should you should finish the game with me. I, th- I think I got to the cloud world and I stopped. To, I don't know why. Way to hold your hand or something. <laughs> you could come over and I'm like, yeah, sit next to me on the couch and I don't know. Tell me I'm special as I die in the cloud world. All right, all right. Uh, bring okay. one of those creepy I've... dolls to commemorate the experience. I'm not bringing just yeah, one. <laughs> this is gonna be. And a, with that, I am, <laughs> I've gone through like five different possible segues in my head since we went off on this what started as a Saints Row tangent, and now I've just totally lost the plot. So the next news article is Final Fantasy XIV: A Realm Reborn extra game time awarded to all players after six, after stressful launch. Um, ties in really nicely with our <laughs> topic of the week. But this is interesting because it isn't extra game time to every player of Final Fantasy XIV. It's specifically players who, let me see, bought the game between... Uh, Tim, do you know? I'm trying to dig through this article and see if it's a certain number of people. Like, maybe bought it between... uh, It's everybody who bought it before August 30th. Gotcha, okay. So they get an extra seven days of game time on top of the free month that's already included with the game. Um, Tim, is that enough? Or do they even need to give us the free time for those server congestions? I think it's a good sort of, like, we're not trying to screw up again sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and considering they cut off digital downloads, it's good timing, because it's not like they have to... And that's probably another reason why they cut off the, uh, another reason why they cut off uh, digital downloads on PSN and Amazon yeah. and all that. Uh, it's so that they would only have to disappoint like not really disappoint they'd only have to like hinder so many people mm, yeah right so that newcomers wouldn't then you know just the number of disappointments should keep piling up yeah and they wouldn't and it, you know, with the people who had purchased it and who couldn't download it aren't going well where the hell did my 60 or my 40 dollars go right for sure yeah that's um are is are those downloads still deactivated then like you still can't get it um on Amazon or PSN correct uh, mm, and yeah. uh, you saw the, the article on PSN refunds, right? Yeah, I did. And is that in here? No, it's not in the lineup. But but once it becomes uh, available, the amendments are going to be available in uh, the download in your download list if you purchased it. 
yeah, that's awesome. Um, and more power to them, because it's really been impressive to see Square really open its doors in a way that I don't think they have in, Jesus, the last five or six years. Um, but even beyond Final Fantasy XIV's development, I remember uh, a few days ago or a week ago we had that behind-the-scenes video of Lightning Returns mm-hmm. where it kind of like walked through the studio and it was like, here are the people behind Lightning Returns, and it was all cool. And, and what was really powerful about that video is not the game, because I don't give a shit about Lightning Returns, but oh. the fact that you were actually seeing the inside of Square Enix's development headquarters, because they were, I mean, in, in the pantheon of game developers, Square Enix is almost as bad as Rockstar in terms of just development secrecy and not telling people anything until it's time for the marketing push, and you never see what how what their offices look like and how they work and their collaborative process, so that was really cool, and I think 14... They've been doing a really good job of communicating with fans. I hear How that. Come That's you're not excited for Lightning Returns. Um, it's just me being soured on the series in general. I think I'm still just a really bitter guy who's disappointed that they spent so much time on 13. I like the 13 saga. I mean, and also, like, it's it's not even Final Fantasy anymore. Like, it's like action-based combat. It's totally free. I, I'm oh. being a total hypocrite right now because I'm so excited for 15. But, um. Yeah, it's just the story. Like, I don't care. I haven't been following it since I gave up on 13, and it's like, it, did it... My question is, did it really need to happen? And you're not going to buy it on launch day, so who are you to judge me, Dan Smith? <laughs> well, you never know. I might buy it on launch day, because uh, I just, actually I like 13. I don't believe you. So it's one of the few <laughs> Final Fantasies I've actually been liking recently, and actually beat. Like, I never I never beat 7 or 8 or 9, uh, but oh, I beat snap. 13. So... So you, Maybe did you my like thirteen then? Yeah, I actually did. I really liked thirteen. Like, I mean, in terms of like, uh, well, what did you like the story then? Because a lot of people said that the story was pretty weak. I thoroughly enjoyed it personally. I like the story because the story isn't like you don't take it at face value. It's, it's supposed to be really deep and supposed to be analyzed. And I think a lot of people in this modern gaming age just don't uh, take that viewpoint with the story. It just doesn't hit you in the face. You actually have to like take a a university approach to it, in my opinion. I I can respect that, and I know it's kind of a segue, but I would consider that sort of uh, analysis similar to how people have taken in polarity the ending to The Last of Us. I've actually played The Last of Us yet, so. And I'm not going to go into ending because there. Uh, I sorry, Don, but I've ruined uh, uh, <laughs> games for people over voice chat before, and I'm not doing it again. And speaking of getting hit in the face, Killzone Mercenary's day one patch will require a memory card upgrade. Right? Uh, not as bad as a spoiler, or actually maybe worse than a spoiler. Um, Killzone Mercenary has a day one patch confirmed that is 1.1 gigabytes in size, and the game itself is 3.3, so this patch is a third of the size of the game, and effectively means if you have a 4 gigabyte card, you, you're, you just can't. Like, it's just not going to happen. Now, I don't know a lot of people who, well, actually, I don't I don't know a lot of people who own a Vita, but I especially don't know a lot of people who only have a 4-gigabyte card. Um, I myself have an 8, so this is kind of a big deal to me, and I've, I frequently find myself uh, deleting games that I haven't played in a few weeks because, you know, I just need to make room for those kind of things. You, and I keep certain things around always, like Super Stardust and Luminous, but... Um, you only have an 8-gigabyte yeah, really card? Yeah, that's... Uh, 
That's all I felt like putting money down on, Dane. You got a you got an issue? Yes. It's too little it's too little memory. Upgrade soon. Or you, do you have a do you have a sixteen or a thirty? I got a, I had bought an eight when I first got my Vita three and then I bought a sixteen when I got to Canada because I totally underestimated the game file sizes. Yeah, yeah, it's and I think everyone did, or at least you know that was one of those things where Sony never really came out and said, "Hey, this is going to be the average game size." People just kind of said, "It'll be fine," and they were like me and got eight gigabyte cards. But um, Killzone Mercenary coming out on Tuesday. Uh, you guys excited? Yeah, I cannot tell you how hard I want that game. <laughs> Especially after reading Mike's review. I mean, that was some Jesus. That was some video game prose. Right. And the whole time I read it with a British accent. <laughs> Did you read it out loud oh, with a British accent? That sounds exhausting. Oh no, I can't do it. <laughs> were you lifting weights Tim's while you were? Tim's the most patient woman in the world. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but that was that was um, a great review on Mike's part, and super excited for Killzone Mercenary because it's really going to be our first taste of one. Ah, uh, Tim, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep going. How about moving on to our next news story? Uh, Borderlands 2 raises the level cap and gets new uh, endgame content. Will, I know you've been playing a lot of Borderlands 2. Are you excited for the Vita port? Oh, beyond reason. The Vita beyond port's going to be amazing. Beyond two souls of reason? Huh? <laughs> nah, you say? Good. Beyond two souls of reason. Yes. Also, I'm very, very excited for the Vita version as well. And I super duper hope that this extra content that's coming to the console version also comes to the Vita, because here's my money. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I don't know how they'll treat that, and it seems like the most logical... Uh... Alright, listeners, what you didn't hear in the middle of all this is that we totally went off the rails, off the air, because we basically lost, like, 20 minutes of footage, or not footage, oh, Jesus... 20 minutes of recorded audio. I'm sorry, Mike, but this is going to be great. <laughs> oh, come on. Don't, don't be so underdramatic. Be like, we recorded for three hours. Now True. we're doing this shit again. It's five in the morning. Uh, so we'll finish up our news wrap-up with the leaked PS4 warehouse photographs. Uh, we just put up the story today, and Sony's gearing up for the worldwide launch of the PlayStation 4. Uh, these photos were uploaded in China by a user on a website called ANVG, uh, and some NeoGAF members found it. Uh, so the photographs from this warehouse show flat PS4 cardboard boxes being piled up in a factory, and the finished product in kind of the big pallets being moved around a warehouse, and just really, really exciting stuff. I think um, we maybe have, like, expected that this was going on behind the scenes, like they were in production, but it feels like, I mean, you see this photo, if you hit up the website, it's one of the top articles right now. And the second of the photos where they're just in these huge pallets, it's like, these are, like, ready to go. Like, these are, like, ready to ship, and, I mean, obviously they're going to be probably sitting there for, you've got to think, three, four more weeks at least, but, like, this is happening. Like, we are really, really close <laughs> to this actually coming out. What's your guys' take on the photos? Tim. Uh, it's, <laughs> little, it's, it's a little... You know, I don't really know much, and I'm sure they don't do it. They do this intentionally, but I don't know anything about the manufacturing side mm-hmm. of gaming, especially dealing with consoles, considering they only come out what once every six, seven years. But the fact that there's it's this far so early because it does you have two more months. Yeah, it does still surprise me. I mean, I really, I was like. Just seeing the headline, I was tempted to think, oh, this might be a fake. And then I'm like, no, these are like the retail boxes in their, you know, unfolded state. 
in a pile, and then the finished product, it's like super, super early, I felt like, and then it's just, you know, hard to think. I mean, you know, so they have apparently one million shipments done. How many more are they going to make? How many are going to be on store shelves before December? How many are going to be in customers' hands? There's so many issues to think about. It's just really exciting to me to see them actually in production because you got to think, like, one of those in those factory is mine, is yours, etc. I wonder if they're trying to ensure that they have all pre-orders available. Yeah, I wonder, because we had so many different phases, like with the retail stores like GameStop, where they said, you know, all right, in, in, infinite pre-orders are allowed for like a week. You know, it's just as a way of gauging how many they were actually going to need to send out. And, man, I would love to see the numbers on that, because we do have some really rough idea of like the Amazon and online numbers, I think. Um, even if it's just kind of gauging, okay, this, you know, the PS4 is still, whatever, number three in video games versus Xbox One at number six. Um, but yeah, just to see, like, you know, what is one million consoles? Because if I had to guess, I would say there's probably more than one million pre-orders in retail stores. Um, but again, I, I, I don't know a whole lot about manufacturing issues and the logistics of that, so... It's just exciting. As a layman, as a, as a gamer, as a fan, it's just really cool to see. I mean, if, I if one million is just, like, what they have now, and there's still two two months to go, like, for manufacturing, I'm not surprised about this, like, whatsoever. Yeah. Like, after I saw the uh, Sony conference back in February, and they had their intro video for the whole conference, like, I knew then that Sony was here to win, because mm-hmm. they never, in, in my opinion, like, when the PS3 really came out, like... I was, like, major into gaming, but, like, I never got that vibe that this is going to be, like, awesome. <laughs> like, when the PlayStation 1 or the PlayStation 2 came out. Yeah. And then I saw that video, and it's, like, they're going old school. And I wrote an article about it during E3, like, just how old school Sony is going sure. back to its, like, Sega Genesis-esque, we're the underdog, we're going to kick you in the face and take over roots. <laughs> and so Exciting I'm, times, to be sure. <laughs> I know, and this just makes me even more excited to be a Sony fan that they're taking it this seriously. That they already have maybe a million units made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you th- I mean, when you put it in that lens, it really is an exciting time. I think you're absolutely right that they are completely the underdogs here. They are the ones like kicking the shins of everyone else and being like, "Yeah, we're gonna win. This is gonna be our generation." And it is. It's the balls in their court. It's their game to take for the next five, six, seven years. Um. Yeah, that wraps up the uh, the news I had gathered here. So we'll just jump right into the reviews before we get to our topic of the week. Um, I don't. I think uh, the UK team might have covered this in their last podcast. But since we have Will with us here, Will, why don't you hit a little bit on Splinter Cell and just give us your elevator pitch? It's the best Splinter Cell game to date. It's the best, possibly the best stealth action game I've ever played. That is sick. Yeah, you know what's really cool about that is that you know that I, you know, was kind of a really old school Splinter Cell fan. I had my chops mm-hmm. tested in the first couple games and then sort of lost interest there. But um, would you say that it maybe it would maybe cater to someone like me and that it kind of harkens back to those uh, simpler times, or is it really a, a lot of uh, modern kind of elements and infusions? It's a good mix of both. I mean, they they kept the um, the execute mode from Conviction mm-hmm. where you mark three targets and you can kill them 
that was a lot of controversy for people over that, but they have that and they did it tastefully with like all the old stealth action type of stuff in the previous games. Yeah. And but it's it's just a lot more fluid now. It's basically I'm I for, I forgot to look it up, but I'm almost positive that it has to be like the Assassin's Creed teams or one of the teams that works. Oh, because that's yeah. Because I mean, just how fluidly you can move through environments and how you can like. Actually, one of the, I just saw the other day or yesterday, I saw a good comment on my review. It was a few days later, and I missed it, but it was uh, responded to him. He pointed out a good, made a good point asking about how it compares to like Metal Gear Solid mm-hmm. in terms of gameplay, and he's like assumed that the story was uh, in, like in like a, just uh, completely better like in Metal Gear Solid compared to this, which I agree with. Sure. Like, you don't you don't play this for the story; you play it for the gameplay. Um, but like we're in Metal Gear Solid, you you wait for those opportunities to move and like to move around your environment and to, like get yeah. areas. In Splinter Cell, you make your opportunities, you flank your enemies, you like you just you take advantage of your environment because you can, mm, yeah. and that's how you move around. So it's like there's no there's hardly any time where you just sit and wait. It's just like go go go. But there's a lot of like timing involved they need to have tact when you're doing it that does sound like an interesting take on like traditional stealth action though because i mean i even remember the original splinter cell you spent a lot of your time waiting in like a of the shadowy corner of a room for a patrol mm-hmm. to kind of do its rounds and move into a convenient spot for you so yeah i, I think mark and execute sounds really cool and you know, obviously you noticed you noted some minor technical issues but the game itself uh, really looks great i think yeah it's yeah i mean visuals aren't that great compared to current games or even games that have come out before. But, I mean, yeah, there's hardly anything flawed with it, mm-hmm. technically speaking. It was some random things that happened here and there that really didn't weren't damaging to it, but they were still worthy of note. Nice. Well, folks should check that out if they're kind of in a dry summer spell right now waiting for uh, waiting for more games to come out this holiday season. Mm-hmm. Uh, else- but be wary, yeah. be wary that it's not Michael Ironside voicing. Like, it's a completely <laughs> different... It's a completely different Sam Fisher. Like, yeah. It's still his character, but it's not the same. Just may to his, keep people aware of that. May, his, so may, may his voice career rest in peace. <laughs> uh, jumping ahead to the next review, uh, we'll try to move through these a little quickly. We're kind of racking up time uh, faster than I had hoped. Uh, the Bureau XCOM Declassified, I reviewed this uh, this effort from 2K Games, gave it a 6.5, and I noted that the, the dual aspects of gameplay, the third-person shooting and the real-time strategy, which are hybridized in combat, um, make for a, a jarring experience that's difficult to get a grip on and really figure your way through. Uh, besides that, some technical, I mean, lack of technical polish, kind of a underwhelming story, no multiplayer, that sort of thing. I know you were really excited for this, Dan, and I'm curious to know, what were you most excited about it for? Like, what was the thing that most had you interested in the Bureau? Uh, it was that crazy, awesome advertising campaign just got me <laughs> sucked into the story. For sure. I was just like, wow, the story sounds awesome, because, like, I played, I bought XCOM Enemy Unknown when it was first released, mm-hmm. one of the few games I actually bought new, and I loved it, but there was much story to it, right. and so this mm-hmm. one I thought, because I love stories, because I love RPGs, so I thought, man, this is going to be an awesome story, mm-hmm. and then the whole third-person slash uh, tactical combat mesh I thought was going to be really interesting to see how that played out. 
It was interesting going in, for sure, to kind of see what their execution would be. I would definitely give the story the most props of any aspect. I think Agent William Carter is a, a good enough main character as I kind of went in expecting, you know, good enough for me to have asked for. And, uh, you know, besides his gruff delivery, I mean, I think you've got an interesting cast of characters, uh, good good acting all around, um, and the origin story, I think, with that 60s noir feel is just a really interesting vibe, and it's cool to kind of dig into a, a fictional part of a history that I'm not old enough to have witnessed, you know, it's one of those nostalgic Americana type things. But definitely, uh, I, I would say a cool experience for hardcore XCOM fans who are looking for that origin story. Um, but if, you're, if your biggest attachment to XCOM is its gameplay, you may not find much in the Bureau that you're going to love. Um, Spelunky is the next review on the list. This is a 2D platformer with an interesting retro art style for PS3 and PS Vita. Uh, Richard Archer reviewed this for us, gave it an 8.0, and said it's a tough platformer that looks great and has depth and replayability and clever use of randomized levels. You know, I hear a lot of hype for Spelunky on Twitter. Um, I haven't delved into this myself, but it's apparently like one of the best games on Vita now that it's finally out, and I know it had a lot of fans from its uh, original PC release, and I think that may have been, like, yeah, 2008 it came out on PC and Steam and stuff, so it's been a long time coming, but, man, just the next in a long line of really impressive indie titles on PS Vita, um, which is really, really exciting to see. Richard also reviewed uh, Diablo 3, and I came up with the headline for that, A Heavenly <laughs> Journey Through Hell. Thank you very much. <laughs> Richard gave Diablo 3 on PS3 a 9.0 and said it's got atmospheric graphics, a stirring soundtrack, deeply customizable characters, and nonstop action. But I mean, come on, we knew. I mean, this is Diablo. We know exactly what we're getting ourselves into. I think, uh, Tim, have you played Diablo on PC before? That sounds familiar to me. Yes, I have. Nice. And so have you had time to dabble with Diablo 3 on console at all, or have you just kind of... Yes. Yes, I have. All right. Well, what do you uh, think? Early impressions. In terms of gameplay, it works really well. But it's been a little while since I played Diablo Three on PC, so I don't exactly remember if the dodge mechanic was part of the game. I don't think it was. I feel like I remember reading that that's that's exclusive and new to the console. Okay. Well, if that's the case, it's way too based on timing rather than reality. Okay. Uh, instead of, like, if if I avoid an ability early, right, I know something's going to happen, so I just uh, dodge out of the way, I still get hit with it because I didn't time it properly. Really? That really pissed me off. So it's not based on <laughs> hitboxes, it's more based on just the, like, whether... On timing. Yeah, so, so it's like you have to dodge within their animation for it to register as, like, a miss. Yeah, and even if I'm out of range, I'll still get hit. Wow, that does seem strange. Um, kind of goes against what it's you expect, I mean, with their whole top-down isometric perspective and just putting direct character control into the analog sticks. It's a little counterintuitive. Indeed. And I I haven't played since I started playing my latest review. I don't want to get too far into <laughs> We're it. Close. Yet, but, We're close. <laughs> uh, but it could have been patched, but I, I don't know. Nonetheless, it stuck with me, and I played until about level ten, nine and a half, because I didn't get the trophy. Mm-hmm. I remember that, <laughs> and I, don't, I haven't really been. I I look at it and I go, I kind of want to play again, but then I think about the dodge thing and 
trying to kill hard things while trying to stay alive. Yeah, for sure. Just kind of... Also, that's, the dodge is throwing you off. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of that as what could be like a hanging point for potentially picking it up. But um, I, I don't know why it is. Yeah. In all other aspects, though, it seems to be a really competent, in fact, um, excellent port of the PC version with great graphics, uh, no visual or audio compromises. So if you haven't played Diablo 3 and PS3 is your only way of doing so, it looks like it's going to be a great fit for you. Um, the last review that we want to talk about before we jump into our topic of the week is Killzone Mercenary. So this is hitting Vita in North America next Tuesday. I think it's already out in Europe. And mm-hmm. Mike reviewed this and gave it a 9 and said it's the definitive PS Vita shooter and a must-have for any Killzone fan. He cited its fantastic visuals, great multiplayer, and solid gameplay, along with, on the negative side, some dull indoor environments, main campaign is over too quickly, and the characters are underdeveloped. Uh, I can't vouch for all this with my own uh, personal time. I, I wrote our uh, our preview of the game's first few chapters before Mike's review went up, and so I haven't gotten too much farther, so I, I can't speak for the characters and the narrative, although it's interesting so far. Uh, what really stuck with me with Killzone Mercenary is how how much it innovates in, like, the Killzone space, you know? So Killzone's always going to be this kind of gritty, I guess, what mature is not the right word, because it's kind of, like, it's almost cheesy in its over-maturity sometimes, but it's it's dark, it's drab, there's not a lot of optimism in this in this war-torn world. <laughs> but within that mm-hmm. space, Killzone Mercenary does a lot of really cool things. Like, there's the currency system that you're constantly earning cash for your headshots, for your melee kills, for your scavenging ammo on the ground, uh, whether you you know, if you stayed stealthy during an entire section, you'll get a big cash bonus for that. And you're balancing those incoming funds with this arms dealer who has, you know, everything from random discounts on, like, this type of grenade one day to this, you know, semi-automatic rifle the next day, along with the Valor cards, which are awarded based on your performance in multiplayer and kind of function like the uh, like the dog tags in, in Modern Warfare 3. And, you know, you drop them, players pick them up, and it's that incentive because they get cash if they pick up your Valor card. So it, it's really, really interesting stuff, and I, I honestly think it's... It's refreshing, which is strange to say for a Killzone game, because I love 2, and 3 really didn't innovate off of 2 all that much. In fact, in my mind, 3 was a step backwards in a lot of ways, at least for what I like Killzone to be. Um, But I'm loving Mercenary so far, so I imagine you guys are pretty excited. Mm. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, Mm, yeah. Killzone just just sits in a spot for me that will not be replaced, (laughs) unless... Gorilla, unless Gorilla screws it up, and I don't see it happening because that team is way too competent. Yeah, I got worried kind of running into these really cool things in Mercenary. I was like, well, this is awesome, but what if Shadowfall doesn't have these, you know? And I know it's not going to have, like, the currency because that's not its style. It's not telling a Mercenary, uh, you know, kill-for-pay story, but it's like, this is really damn cool, you know? Like, having this ecosystem and this actual weapons shop in a first-person shooter where you're so used to scavenging everything is a really interesting mechanic, so whatever Shadowfall's got up its sleeve, I hope it can match up to Mercenaries' uh, advances. Alright, so we're finally through the news and reviews, which means we can get to talking about the meat of the week, which is our final review. Just went up. This is f- super fresh news. Tim, you reviewed Final Fantasy XIV, A Realm Reborn, and you gave it a 9 mm-hmm. out of 10. 
and said, there are so many addictive and enjoyable... Actually, I, I wrote this in my edited copy, so I'll credit, I'll credit this to me, but there are so many addictive and enjoyable gameplay elements in Final Fantasy XIV that WoW-schooled veterans and MMO rookies alike will love. Uh, you liked its vivacious, unparalleled soundtrack. And I've always enjoyed your uh, your pros and cons. You really... In fact, you actually taught me a word. Uh, discretion. Not the D-I-S-C-R-E kind, but the discretion mm-hmm. kind. I like that. Mm. You uh, you pulled out an interesting article, and I had to look that one up, so thank you for that. Um, but you loved the jobs, you loved the materia, you loved the narrative, you loved the gameplay, you loved the wow competitive mechanics. The only thing you didn't like were its visual and technical compromises and some kind of meh voice acting. So, you know, I'm sure, you know, I have questions for you about the game, because I'm kind of an on-and-off MMO fan. I like to think of myself as a MMO aficionado, and I imagine the rest <laughs> of us have questions for you too, but... Why don't you just catch us up on this review experience? I mean, what has it been like playing Final Fantasy XIV? Starting off, it was kind of just a thing where I go into a lull uh, initially when I start playing a game. And it kind of it kind of comes pretty strong when I review a game because I have sort of like expectations on top of my normal gaming standard. Uh, so I, I sit there and I go what's this? Why is this? Why is this here? And I, and, I, and I start hitting all these walls and I have to keep getting through these walls. And what, for instance, uh, some of the beginning, like the beginning uh, hour, uh, you, you get introduced with a quest and then you go to this area of the town and then to this area of the town and this area of the town and this area of the town. You don't really see any combat. It's just this, like you go here, you go here, you get introduced to this, you get introduced to that. But it's only about an hour, hour and a half. Uh, and then you start getting quests where you have to go out into the world and kill things. And this, that moment, when I first, like, I, I played as a, a, a Pugilist, which is essentially the monk, the fist weapon uh, character. Uh, when I first went out and I punched something, <laughs> I went, You went, yes, (laughs) I've waited so long to punch something in a Final Fantasy game. Now, something I didn't really cover too uh, deeply in the review is the vivid vivid delivery of animations. Mm. And I'm kind of glad I didn't because that's good for people to experience uh, on their own. And I I just can't preach it well enough. But it's so clear, it's so crisp, it's so... Involved. It's not like in WoW where you see someone turn and it just looks anticlimactic. You know, like you see a, a I can't remember the club. Like you see a, a paladin, uh, blood elf, just do the the spin move when you use one of the two buttons that they use yeah. now. Uh, you know, <laughs> and it's just it it looks it it does a lot of movement and stuff, but it's not very or no human. Excuse me, they're the ones that spin. Uh, they it it doesn't look so like, human. It doesn't look real. Yeah. Especially in comparison to this, just animations look so good, and just they're. It's not just like throwing their arm in the air and over over. I almost said over exonerated, over uh, overzealous motions that are eh, just whatever. They they literally feel like body movements, and I feel like they might have done some sort of uh, almost maybe uh, what's the word for it? Oh my god. What's the word uh, for it? Motion capture. Thank That's you. So I, I think they might have done. You are tired. I think they might have even done some. Dude, I'm looking at my like 19th hour of consciousness. So, uh, but 
Yeah, I think they might have done some light uh, uh, video, uh, motion acting, motion sense. Yeah, damn it, lost already. <laughs> yeah, the, just motion work. Thanks for sticking with us, though. I mean, it. it sounds like you could very easily just go to bed right now and be have a perfectly healthy evening. But uh, we appreciate you <laughs> filling us in on the review experience. And it, it's right. super interesting, too, because like you said that maybe the one thing you didn't go into extreme detail in your review was the animations, but everything else you covered in very, very extensive detail. I would be surprised if like we've published a review on PSU in the last, I don't know, three or four years that's as long as this one. But it really needs to be, right? I mean, you've probably played how much of this game leading up to this review? How many hours, you think? Uh, well, unfortunately, I wouldn't consider it like a respectable amount. It, considering when you play MMO, a, a really a respectable amount is something like a hundred hours, yeah. right? Because MMOs are ridiculously huge mm-hmm. in their own right, and the good ones are even more so. Uh, but I probably in the last week and a half, when I've been able to uh, consistently access the site, yeah. uh, the the servers, I've probably logged a good. 50 hours. Nice. Well, that, that'll do you just fine. Okay. Yeah. And then and then time before that when I was able to get online. Well, you also played in the beta, too. I mean, I know that I, I played with you in the beta for a little bit. Or, that yeah, helps. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, my, impre- my impression from the beta was, I, I, for whatever reason, it was hard for me to get past how the game really didn't look that good in that state, and I don't know how much things like texture detail and environmental busyness has changed, but um, did did you find the you know, the visual compromises from PC to PS3 were those much of an issue for you, or did you kind of quickly get over those? Well, it's a bit of a weird question for me, because I just got my new laptop for school, and I ensured myself that it would be one that was good for gaming. Sure. <laughs> uh, for, the, for the moments that I wanted to play on a PC, because I don't usually. But mm. it, when I play it on PC, it's gorgeous. It's just stupid gorgeous. <laughs> uh, I, I, but I, I always have this wall when I play PC games, even when I'm addicted to a PC game, that I, I hate using a mouse to control a game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I feel more natural when my hands are together working on the same device, and then when I'm on a PC, yeah, I'm. <laughs> yeah, just give up all my secrets, whatever. But you know, my hand is my left hand is on the on WASD or wherever it is, pushing buttons for menus, and I have my right uh, my right hand on the mouse, mm-hmm. and they're so they're separated. When I'm playing on a console or even my Vita, my hands are right next to each other. They're on the device, and it's just in, it's sort of like a synchronous thing for me that just makes more sense. Sure. And being able to have an MMO of this caliber, which just still blows my mind, at access with a controller, has been a thing that I have literally wanted since I started playing Vanilla WoW. <laughs> and that's been a long time coming. I mean, Vanilla WoW was never Vanilla WoW after, like... 2004? I mean, I don't, I don't remember. Was Burning Crusade like 2005? Something like that? The Burning Crusade, I believe, came out the end of 2005, because that was my freshman year in college. Mm, okay. And I remember spending a lot of time and a lot of late nights in college. <laughs> sure, of course. <laughs> so, you've, I mean, you've come in from that kind of old school school of MMO play, at least in terms of, you know, you started with the big one, right? And um, mm-hmm. that was kind of my first experience, too. I, I came into WoW before, probably like a six months or a year before Wrath of the Lich King, and that and Guild Wars 2 have been my only 
my really my only big MMO experiences and time investments. What I loved about Guild Wars 2 is the fluidity of combat and and the necessity of dodging, of evading, of 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 comboing your uh, your abilities and your spells with other players to kind of produce these effects and and the fact that these effects, whether it's you know shooting your arrows through a wall of fire to set the arrows ablaze, you know that kind of thing, those aren't Oh, yeah. yeah, those aren't detailed or explained to you in the game, so it's things that people discover on their own and piece together. How do you, you know, how does how does Final Fantasy's combat stack up? You know, what's what's the feeling you get from from just that day to day sort of gameplay? Well, if you compare it to something as intricately detailed like Guild Wars Two, it's really hard to do so, uh, but. The little things, really, like, and I really wanted—I didn't want to go into too much on that because it almost would—I feel like it almost sound preachy. Uh, like, for instance, you'd see things like in a in a in a party uh, where you come up to a group of mobs, and sometimes like some of them are really in- are incredibly spread apart, but there are these little ribbons that flash between targets that show which poles are linked. For instance, okay. and I, and that's amazing like and wow you would have to just know what groups were together and what would it would take for you to avoid a uh, a pat a patrol yeah. a patrol group for instance you know you just have to be experienced with right it. or look it you up can... online or whatever your kind of method is mhm uh but i i don't i i guess i can't really get over the fact of how much i enjoy watching fighting when i'm playing it <laughs> i i it's just everything's so good. Even on the PS3, it, it ends up being a little bit. It's it ends up being more pixelated than it is on PC, sure. um, because, well, you know, the PS3 in comparison to general computers nowadays, it's pretty limited. Yeah. But the fact that I can do this while sitting on my couch, uh, and I can watch these beautiful animations on a big screen TV, in full motion, and still be able to interact with fluid frame rate is enjoyable in itself. Of course. Yeah, I mean, I got the same feeling, too. Like, I went through great pains to find a way to make my uh, DualShock 3 work with Guild Wars and actually be, like, a playable thing that I was okay with, just because I couldn't stand using the keyboard, you know, from my couch. I didn't have a comfortable setup. But they really, even from my limited time in the beta, I think they really nailed the control interface in... in uh, in 14. Um, I know I've been asking you tons of questions, so uh, Will or Dane, do you guys have something for Tim as well? Yeah, I got I got one from a trophy aspect for you, Tim. All I right. don't play MMOs at all, unless they're free. Uh, so, is the trophy list for this game worth the $15 a month for me? <laughs> if, you're, if you're an addictable person, yes. <laughs> uh, have you seen the trophy list then, yeah? I saw parts of it, yeah. Okay, well, like for every uh, gathering, uh, gathering, gathering profession, for instance, you would have to gather one or gather or craft one of it, and then a thousand of it. Okay. Uh, so if you really get into the game, gathering and crafting won't be anything for you to do, uh, and getting a thousand is something like I would say maybe. 15 to 20 character levels. Then uh, you, you, know, you have to level each job as separately. Like if you want to be, if you want to uh, level your miner, you all you can do is mine to level your character and do mining quests. Uh, so 
in the process of leveling those classes, you have to do their gathering or their profession work. And you end up, if you end up, if you enjoy that kind of, I wouldn't even say it's tedious because it ends up becoming sort of a, uh, like a chess game the whole time, trying to figure out what you want to do, when and where and why. And so if you can get involved in that, it's, it's going to be worth your time and your money. Plus there's some degree of like trophy compatibility between the two games, right? I mean, I guess if, if you're playing on PC and PS3, you can kind of, your progress is like quasi saved between the two. Yep, the game tracks your progress. So if you, if like for instance, you start playing on PC and you do level one of your, like I'm just gonna use an example like botany. If you level botany uh, and you gather over a thousand things, you can go on the PS3 version later on and gather literally one thing through botany and get both the single trophy and the thousand gathering trophy. You all, all you have to do is trigger. A trophy count, mm-hmm. and it will work. Okay. And the only so trophy I'm... that you can't earn through playing on PC is the main campaign one. So I'm, lo- I'm looking at the trophy list at a moment at the moment, and uh, what are fates? Because one of them is complete a thousand fates. Oh, that's really not even without thinking. Uh, the the <laughs> fates are these. I, I can never remember the acronym, but it's uh, it is the are these events that show up on the map. And you can just walk into it, and everybody that's in the the bubble that's on the map is involved. And all you have to do is complete the objectives like kill so-and-so many spider-looking creature thingies, or gather this and this together and bring it to this guy on the edge. And once you're done, you get ratings according to how well you did. You get experience and gill, and then you walk away and do something else. So it's just like a random encounter, except with other people. If you're familiar with it, it's just like uh, rifts, rifting in Rift. So it's basically a really easy trophy list for an MMO. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> compared, to like, compared to DC Universe. Well, if you looked at the uh, achievement list for uh, Final Fantasy XI on 360, that's ridiculous. Like You had to beat all the major raid bosses and stuff. Stupid. Do they not have a lot of endgame content trophies? I don't have the list in front of me. I mean, are there stuff like that where you have to kind of finish a raid for one trophy and that kind of thing? Oh, no. The the trophies are simply based on professions and literally things you can do on your own. Uh, but the, the, well, the only ones that you really can't do on your own are the instances, and you have to run 100 instances. Okay. I can, I can imagine that not taking as long as it sounds initially. You know what I mean? Like a month and a half in, you're like, oh, I've already got that. <laughs> yep. You'll get there, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, then I have a qu- couple quick questions, too, to go off yep. of that. I was watching some Let's Plays earlier to try to prepare a little bit, and also trying to frantically read through your massive review before we started, <laughs> which that didn't happen, but um, the Fates thing that we were just talking about, is that um, the, when you join with a group of people, is that when you, you automatically level equally with everyone in your party, correct? To get, like, respectful experience. Like, you can be level 30 with a group, so, like, level 5s, you'll equal out and get, like, experience that matters to your level. Well, it's not exactly... Uh, what's the word? It's not exactly automatic. If if it's, okay. if you're with... I'm not exactly sure on numerical point, but if you're somewhere uh, outside of 5 levels, uh, plus or minus of the fate level, which will just show up on your screen, okay. uh, it will ask you if you want to sync. And if you hmm. say yes, it'll decrease your level and uh, ratio your stats accordingly. 
Mm-hmm. So you can participate and you'll get a lesser, you'll get an equivalent amount of experience that you would earn if you were that level. Yeah. Uh, so you could still do low level ones, but it wouldn't be as effective as doing ones that are around your level. Mm-hmm. Can you do that the flip side too and go into things that are at a higher level for you and then just not be able to, you wouldn't be at that same level of like effectiveness, but you still would. I never came across one that I I never came across one that I couldn't participate in, but I never also, I also never went into an area where I was less than five levels than uh, less than five levels than anything that was in the area. So I can't really give you an example of being able to sync up, uh, but I can't really see where that would be a reasonable thing to do because if you're going to be in an area where uh, things are like five, six, seven levels ahead of you, you're just going to mm-hmm. get destroyed. Yeah. Okay, I was just curious. And then the other question, thing though. I wanted to talk, ask about was uh, you said that the animations were great compared to every, mm-hmm. like all other MMOs. In your review, I noticed you talked about how you can there's you can move freely while you attack, but it just doesn't look. It just it feels kind of awkward. Oh yes, is that, is that correct? Okay, and then yeah. that's what I was wondering: is that kind of equivocal to uh, Final Fantasy twelve, like that similar type of attack system where you can move around but you stop and you swing and then you can move again. Well you don't you don't stop when you swing. Oh you and, don't and I didn't I didn't really make it clear in the review and Kyle brought it up to me later. Uh, but like you know you still have to ca- you have to stop and cast when you're a caster or things that have a cast time. There's no avoiding that. But uh, when you when you use a melee weapon, you know, if you just do a melee attack of some sort, you don't have to stop to use it. Mm. But you also don't really... It, you don't have fluid motion. Like, you don't have uh, footprint or footsteps that mm-hmm. follow you, your motion. Yeah, you said it was a standing animation? Yeah, most of the time, I yeah. like, like Especially yeah. if... Uh, sorry sorry to interject, Tim. It just it made me think of... Um, and now I can't even think of the game, but I guess it's it's like if you're like in the middle of an animation and you start moving your character, that animation is still playing out and they're basically just hovering over the ground as you like move left or right. I know that that, that would happen a lot of times in WoW if, if you were like doing like a dance emoticon or something and you like mm-hmm. moved in the middle of it. If, if you had a laggy <laughs> connection, you might mm-hmm. still be dancing as you were like just floating across the ground. Is that kind of what you meant or were alluding to? Yeah, that's, it's more like that. And I normally I wouldn't even notice it, right? Because it's just kind of a thing that you get ignorant to in, in MMOs. Mm-hmm. But the fact that like when you rotate, the character will take steps that compensate motion. And it's not just like the feet shuffling and wow. It's really like the foot takes a step back and like pivots to the left as it moves and then the right foot comes and follows suit. And when they when, when characters start moving, they move at a uh, accelerated pace. It's it's a pretty quick acceleration, but it's not like they just start right away at top speed. There's a gradual motion and it feels realistic. So when when something like that kind of comes in after all of that, especially after running around the city for the first hour and a half, you start seeing these little things and you go, ah, damn. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really, it doesn't take away from it because most of the time, especially when you get further on in fights, the fights become more involved and you start paying attention to the enemy more than yourself. Yeah. And I do have, I have one more question. It might be a yeah. little, little heavier one. Could yeah. also be your last pitch for the game. <laughs> in the midst of all the games, like the big games that are going to be coming out and also the release of the systems like Grand Theft Auto 4 coming out and a little while Beyond Two Souls will be coming, all the PS4 launch titles. 
you did make a great argument for this at the beginning of how affordable it is to be dropping 15 bucks a month for a game. Mm-hmm. But what reason do I have to buy Final Fantasy 14 in the midst of all of these upcoming single per- single purchase Titanic games that'll be coming? <sighs> Tim's mind is just all over the back of his chair. It's just oh. <laughs> Well, it's it's this is a little it I I and I feel like I'm just kind of like reeling here, but mm-hmm. the question isn't exactly equivalent to what you're looking for. Like, you're not going to get uh, a narrative experience or a uh, mm-hmm. you know like take a hooker out back and shoot her experience like you're going to get an assassin <laughs> in Assassin's Creed. Wow! And in, in GTA, like, you know, uh, Connor well, just takes like a colonial hooker out back of the fucking pasture and he's like, oh, "I'm so mad. This colonial times suck." <laughs> okay, um, but you know it it. When I think about MMOs, I don't think about other games. Like I just think about MMOs. Mm. Uh, so you can't. And when I want to play another game, like for instance, you know, I'm just going to throw it out there: Metal Gear Solid of any kind. That's what I'm going to play, right? But then if I don't want to play it, I'm going to think about other stuff. And I would say that GTA V is one of those games where somebody goes, "That's really all I'm going to think about," because that is Grand Theft Auto V. And that makes total sense because that game is ridiculously huge. Mm-hmm. But you're going to also think later on that you can only like you can I, I understand and I don't really want to like live down GTA five, for instance, but like in a single player experience you can only go so far. Because it's a single player experience. And even with like Skyrim, you can literally play for like four hundred hours plus, but then you get to a point where you go, Okay, why? Like even if it's fun for four hundred hours, I, I only had fun for like eighty. But yeah, you get to a point where you go, why is this still fun? And then you stop. And then you're done with your investment, essentially. Like, for me, if I would get a, a, the Platinum in GTA V, I probably wouldn't play it again. Because mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like, I'm just kind of shallow when it comes to games that don't, like, vividly impact me. Uh, but with a game like an MMO, you are paying for that game to get better. And there are things like uh, personal housing, uh, PvP, um, bigger, uh, bigger boss is coming. More content, uh, and there's a lot. Of, some of that content is coming in the next three months, and you have to spend this time between and now getting to level fifty, uh, figuring out what your class is good for, how to combine it with subclasses, all this, uh, experiencing new, uh, all the like the entire story, which is really, really, really long. Really fun, though. Uh, and then figuring out all the areas, all the new stuff, where to take things, uh, professions, things. It, 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 but, you know, ultimately it comes down to what you really want to do. Uh, so, like most MMOs, Final Fantasy XIV gives you the first 30 days to decide if you want to play it or not. And you can always come back to it if the first 30 days you go, this was really cool, but I got Grand Theft Auto V right now. And it's not going to go anywhere if you're not giving it a subscription right now. And once you're through with GTA V, you'll, have, you'll only have to spend $15 to keep going and see more content that you didn't see before. So it's kind of a thing where you subscribe to play it. You don't subscribe to subscribe. If you're not going to play it, 
then take off your subscription. And when you're back ready to play again, subscribe. If I could pick it up, I would clap for you. <laughs> oh, like that was a good answer. I'm very, I'm very satisfied with that. I think you did that very well. I knew I was kind of setting you up, so I'm glad that well, you. Well, thank you. That. I had a speech prepared. <laughs> Just kidding. Go off script a little bit. <laughs> Like I think the time. way that I've convinced myself that I will actually plunk down cash for Elder Scrolls Online next year is just that I already pay, what is it, like 8 bucks a month for Netflix and like 10 bucks a month for Music Unlimited, and those two services mm-hmm. together are paltry to the entertainment that a month of Elder Scrolls Online would provide me for less than the cost of those combined, you know? So it's kind of one of the things that's mm-hmm. like, I have to stop and ask myself once in a while, like, why am I okay with just kind of this automatic $8 lost Netflix every month and I don't even notice it, and then I get so up in arms about mm-hmm. a subscription fee? Um, and it's really easy to get up in arms about that, and I and I totally do, and I'm pissed about the Elder Scrolls not being like a Guild Wars model, but at the same time, it's really easy to kind of take your side, Tim, and listen to those words and be like, well, actually, shit, I could totally play a game like this. Yeah. Right? And, you know, if you look, like, if you look, well, just kind of like continue my argument, if you look at a game like uh, what's the word? If you look at a game like Guild Wars 2, every month they come out with new content, but when I say new content I mean like like an event. Like it ends up being just like a monthly event and a thing that goes on. They don't really add, sure. you know, like with WoW you yeah. end up paying you end up paying for this mediocre experience that just gives you gear. Uh, but it gives you like you know every five six months this new huge patch that changes the game the way you want to play it and the new content, and that's what you get when you subscribe for a game. It's a fair argument, and it's a good way to I think it's a good way to tie up your feelings on the game. So everyone listening to this podcast, if you haven't yet, you should totally read Tim's review. He put an ass ton of work into it. Um, I didn't put nearly enough, nearly as much work into editing it, although that was still a fun experience. And I'm really proud of this review, Tim. This was awesome, awesome work. It's it's a nice, awesome thing to have on our homepage this weekend and in the weeks and months ahead. No, thank you. It, it was it was a very interesting time for me because usually I I hit a point where I go, I don't really think I have anything else to say, <laughs> you know, and, and that's somewhere around you know like 1,500 words, you know, and that's just traditionally how it goes, but. I was I was like I hit like twenty five hundred words and I went holy crap not done yet <laughs> yes and, and it just it just kind of just came out everything just yeah and, and as you could tell it was a little bit disorganized initially because things were just coming out and I was trying to figure out where to put them yeah for sure and, and I think it's it's a gargantuan review for a gargantuan game it's totally appropriate. Um, so that really wraps up our topic of the week. I mean, check out Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, check out our forums. We have a, a sub-forum dedicated to the game, and I know the, our PSU community members are really passionate about uh, about um, getting involved game, getting the guild together. I can't. I don't keep up with their scene. Is, is the guild called, like, PS Ultros or something? Uh, I believe so, but uh, the game, the the tag in game is literally PSU, and they've been doing a really a cool thing with it. Is that they, in order to join the guild, the group is requiring people to join PSU. Join the forums. Join, oh, okay. yeah, so, join so, the forums. So like an invite in game has to kind of go along with this is my my forum name. Oh, yep. Yeah, you, sort of. You you go. Uh, we have a there, there is an official site for the uh, link shell the the free 
free company, excuse me. Uh, and you go, you sign in, and you say, "This is me. This is what I want to do. This is I want to join your thing. Uh, I, this is what kind of player I am. I've had this kind of experiences." And then they they also require a uh, not really, it's it's not really like a requirement. It's more like a like a, a loose uh, objective, loose guideline, where they require somebody eh, loose guideline <laughs> where they expect somebody to uh, 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 recommend you sure. to join. And most of the time, people are like Chili, because Chili just knows <laughs> everybody. And he's yeah. a nice guy, and he you know he knows he knows good yeah. people. So and he's leading the charge on Final Fantasy yeah. fourteen. You won't find a more passionate guy about that game anywhere. I think oh. not even the not even the game's no. director. He's he's probably done with it. He doesn't want anything to do with this game anymore. Not even Tim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, Tim Tim's enthusiasm <laughs> pales in comparison to Chili. But he's oh, he's it's ridiculous. I I spent a lot of time talking with him about this game, playing with him in this game. And like he gave me so much information to see and experience and help me get to those things that I I couldn't not I couldn't not uh, cite oh, him. Oh, of course. At the end of you the two year. have to have a sit down at some point and just tape it as a podcast, <laughs> just a Final Fantasy fourteen podcast between you two. Dude, I, I'd listen well, to that. Well, you one. know that would actually be kind of fun. That'd be kind of fun, but half the time it ends up us. Uh, it ends up being us talking about uh, British and American idioms, <laughs> but it's pretty funny. <laughs> oh. It's like Final Fantasy fourteen, idiom, and apparently, like Fanny, Fanny is uh, a little bit more of a substantial word over there, but won't go too far into that. <laughs> Interesting to hear. Yeah, he's a great guy, and he really helped you out with the review. We can't thank him enough for his continued uh, community ambassador work and everything that he does for PSU. Just totally awesome. Um, and if you wouldn't mind, like while we're on this like short little oh, yeah, beef yeah, call, ahead, clubs, I uh, I'd I'd like to just uh, extend a thank you to uh, Final Fantasy XIV database crew for giving uh, giving me such a like a, a convenient, clean, great way to find information on in-game content. You, you, I I literally spent the first three or four days trying to Google for stuff like I. I couldn't find where like a chicken egg was, and I had no idea where to find one. And I googled it, like Final Fantasy fourteen chicken egg. You know, you can do that for uh, you know, like Wow, and there are like thousands yeah. of sites on where to find stuff. And I could not find it. And then uh, Chili was like, "I have this thing. Here, check out this site. They'll probably have it." And I'm like, "Oh my god!" And literally every time I went to search for something, it had something. And like the database is pretty huge. It's, Easy to access. Awesome. Yeah, kudos to them. It's great to see a, a, a really comprehensive fan site uh, sprout up so quickly and have such a good resource, you know? I mean, WoW had years to build that kind of stuff up, and this is, like, out in the first couple of weeks. Yeah, Perfect. Man, kudos to them. Uh, so that wraps up our topic of the week, Final Fantasy fourteen, and we could just talk our ears off about that all day. And, you know, we had plans to get into TGS, uh, but we're already kind of over the runtime, and I think, you know, we might have some listeners falling asleep, so I know I'm. I'm. You know, I was dozing out during your uh, your rousing speech. I'm kidding. It was great. Oh, it was good. great. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> um, but we'll we'll hit on TGS in a future episode. I know Dane frequently jumps back and forth between the UK and US podcasts, so they'll be meeting up next week, and we can talk about our. They can talk about their Tokyo game show predictions and plans. So yeah, I think we'll you know we'll bring this podcast to an end. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you guys for joining me this afternoon. It's great to catch up and great to chat with all of you. Mm-hmm. You too. <laughs> this afternoon. Yeah. Uh, it's a good point. <laughs> what is this? Uh, it's for me and Tim and Will, it's like midnight, and for Dane, it's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and yep, the next 2 p.m. Day, for yeah. me. Um, 
So what you should do if you're listening to this podcast, clearly you're interested in PlayStation Universe. You love our content. You love our community. You love what we tell you. So you should be following us on Twitter at PSU.com, all spelled out, D-O-T-C-O-M. You should be following us on Facebook. We're recently invigorated there and putting our best content on the Facebook page, only the good stuff that you absolutely need to be reading. Uh, Keep a very close eye on the forum community and our, our homepage, the Twitter feed, very soon. We have really, really... Really, really cool announcements and, and stuff to show you that I wish we could be talking about now, but I'm sworn to secrecy on some of these initiatives, these uh, programs that you're <laughs> going to be seeing from PSU very, very soon. Um, but just stay tuned. Uh, stick around. It's going to be a very, very exciting time in the months leading up to PS4. So keep it to PlayStation Universe for all your PS4 coverage, PS3 coverage, Vita stuff. We even talk about PSP games once in a while. And keep listening to PlayStation Unchained. Give us a review over on iTunes if that's your, uh, if you're one of those, the Apple dogs. Um, so, <laughs> on behalf of the PlayStation Universe crew, uh, thank you guys for joining me, and thank you listeners for tuning in. We'll see you next time, next week, for Mike's Sexy Tones. Take it easy. <laughs>